Jared, it's all come down to this. Mm-hmm. You're listening to this. It's, you know, Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It's scant few days until the first night of Hanukkah. A little early, I feel like, this year. I feel like it's later. Uh, most most uh, Han- most times Hanukkah falls like mid-December, early December. A few times it shows up in November. So uh, there are a few fun family gatherings where we have a huge turkey, mashed potatoes, and then you have to give the, ki- give the kids their presents. Not bad. It's actually pretty good. It's only happened like twice. Not bad. <laughs> See, this is why you guys... A- a- anyway... Anyway, because because it's coming up, we thought it would be a great idea to start an annual tradition of our own. And so this will be the first of however many Fiddler on the Roof episodes of Ammonite Movie Night. <laughs> I got to tell you, when it was over, I was like, yeah, I'll watch this every year. Shit. Right? You feel it. Every year. It's, uh, it's what my family did for a long time. Around It, get, it gets cold out. Got to watch Fiddler. It kind of reminds me of when, uh, you know, maybe our generation didn't have this so much because video was so prevalent. Mm. But the vibe of like, this is the one time a year The Wizard of Oz is going to be on TBS, so you better get your ass in front of the TV. Yeah. Or like, they're running Christmas Story 24 hours, mm-hmm. you know. Rudolph, um, Rudolph so, the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Sure. There, remember when things were special? Remember when, like, there was no way your mom was going to shell out the 20 bucks for the Santa Clauses coming to town VHS? So if you wanted to watch it in March, you better tape it or hope you have a good memory, you know? <laughs> it's that kind of vibe. And the funny thing is, being denied such a thing only made it stronger in your in your memory. And to a point, it you kind of made up some stuff along the way. And I found that very interesting. Filling in the yeah. blanks where you just sort of forgot things. Like this movie, how we all forget the the front half of the movie is where all the songs are, and the second half is oh man. I did I I did um, not to give it away up front, but the 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 uh, the lights came down at the end of the first half, mm. and I was like, well, they did Matchmaker was minute one of this movie. Mm. All right, we did Ambition, Matchmaker, Rich Man, Boom Boom Boom, then then Lahayam, right. And then it's like, what the? F- what do we have left? And then the the Tim Burton sequence, and I'm like, that's there's my, only that's my favorite. <laughs> there's no way the vibe stays this positive. Sunrise from Set is bittersweet, but it still has that sort of uplifting beauty of life aspect. And then the rest of the movie happens. It's an that's hour awesome. and a half more movie. That's right. So in the second half of the show, we'll be doing a real deep dive on this, mm-hmm. um, as deep a dive as you can do the first year of an annual tradition. <laughs> um, but in November's and early December's to come, um, we're going to be celebrating this movie, and hopefully you will be too. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into what we've been doing this week, I wanted to go over the rest of the year sure. for our little show. It's the end of kind of our first little half year here. Mm-hmm. Oh, How are wow. you feeling, Jared? Um just realizing it's been almost half a year that's wild yeah it's crazy (gasps) damn it's the kind of thing that just sort of flies by without you realizing no exactly especially with like how we do the show how like i just crunch the two together and then kind of figure it out Mm -hmm. you know um the format of the show has made it real easy to forget how long we've been around Mm -hmm. and i just want to thank the uh the uh ammonite nation (laughs) the nation 
our buddies. You guys are the real ones. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, November twenty fifth, uh, November twenty, you're a real one. Don't forget that. Yeah, a real. I one. see you. Um, a real anyway, funny looking one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, because we have American Thanksgiving here this week, um, different, of course, from Canadian Thanksgiving or store brand Thanksgiving. Um, we're going a little easy next week. Um, in the Cartoon Network tradition, the, we're going to be doing the Iron Giant, Brad oh, Bird's yeah. incredible, underrated, then uh, gem. My favorite part of the Iron Giant is knowing that they, the animators left that show and went to work on um, Eight Crazy Nights. That's ins- that's a crazy time, an absolutely nuts time to consider. Right. Immediately post ants, basically. Oh. We're in the we're in the afterglow of ants. The post ants decade. We're only living in its shadow now. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, first. Um. Yes. Wait. Where are you going? Because I got to do the rest of the year. Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna transition into that, but you do it. Wait. Hang on. I got lost. I got lost. Well, find yourself. <laughs> all right so that's next week is the iron giant mm-hmm. the week after that um i wanted to pay tribute to my dad whose mm. birthday is december 3rd mm. so we're doing one of our favorite movies austin powers international man of mystery mm-hmm. yeah baby yeah and funny enough funny enough notes we're pairing it with a uh, personal favorite of mine and my father's the naked gun yes so just gonna be <laughs> just it's gonna be goofy it's gonna be a good time I'm, it's gonna be the opposite of the second half of this show oh jesus <laughs> oh man the um <laughs> i've never actually seen austin powers what yeah, wait a minute no no can i tell you the most of the austin powers trilogy i've seen is it gold member no it was the second one I was in a I was in a car heading back from up, upstate, and we had a little television. We somehow hooked up, right? Watching Austin Powers, and then we hit a patch of ice, and we spun out of control. We were all fine, but the TV wouldn't work, so I only watched like a quarter of Austin Powers, too. What the fuck? That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. All right, just, that I'm it, shook. It slipped me by. It slipped by me. I am absolutely shook. So that is in two weeks. That'll be on December 8th. Mm. On December 15th, uh, Jared had suggested that we do the Studio Ghibli documentary. Uh, what was it? Ah. The House of the Kingdom, the Court of the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Right? <laughs> there we um, go. And I was like, well, I've never seen Porco Rosso, which is the one I feel like I would dig the most because it's him doing all of his plain stuff mm-hmm. and a little pig. So that's what we're doing 15th. So it's Porco Rosso and the, the House of Dreams and Madness. Is that right? Or is it Kingdom? I don't know. Yes. It's a documentary. I think it's, I think it's Kingdoms of Oh, Kings if only there were show notes you could read to figure out what the title is. If only I was a professional and had Googled it before the show. I knew I'd be saying it. Kevin, you have to, you have to do the trick. You have to, you have to blame, we have to blame our audience for not uh, giving us money and making us professional. Got oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> it's totally on you. Um, and then the next week, our final regular show of the year is December 22nd, our Christmas special, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which opened and closed on Christmas Day. Uh, unjustly so, and it's a real spooky one. If you haven't seen it, please watch that. If you watch one movie of ours for the rest of the year, make it Mask of the Phantasm. We'll make it Fiddler on the Roof, but make it Mask of the Phantasm. I agree. I agree. That is a um, very good movie. Yeah, and then, you know, the last week of the year, we'll be dropping a little special announcement show. We'll be going over some stuff coming next year. So that is the housekeeping. Jared, do you have any other housekeeping? Um, nah. Yeah, you know. Nah. nah. Um, we're just getting started here, and you're here to say you were there at the beginning. So how cool is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go a little bit more into that at the end of the next month. I'm excited. Are you excited, Kevin? I was born excited. He came out going, yay! Yay! That's actually the opposite of what happened. (laughs) We'll save that for another day. Um, Jared, to get into kind of what we've been up to, you and I have spent a lot of money on movies over the last couple weeks. (laughs) Yes, we have. Um, On my account, it's kind of like, I'm never going to do this again. Mm. A sobering moment. Well... Um, I, I have a feeling my list is a bit shorter than yours, so mind if I give mine first? Oh, yeah. So you went you you went ham on the Barnes & Noble Criterion sale. Yeah, I did a lot of... Honestly, I did a lot of house cleaning in the sense of, like, I just went through and said, okay, which are the ones you'd expect to see on my shelf? So naturally, uh, Barry Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Um, Kieslowski... Polish name, I can't, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Kieslowski's Three Colors, Blue, White, and Red... Um, In the Mood for Love, from the eternal Wong Kar Wai, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, from our favorite poker player, Paul Schrader, and Seijun Suzuki's Tokyo Drifter and Branded to Kill. Tokyo Drifter is great. Tokyo Drifter is so cool. Have you watched Branded to Kill? No. Oh, man. Uh, I may have. Uh, I, I'm, I'm frankly not sure, unfortunately. Uh, it was black and white, and it was really weird. There's a room with a bunch of butterflies tacked to a wall, like an entire wall of butterflies. You'd remember No, it. I definitely would have remembered that. All right. Um, you should definitely watch that sometime. I think it's on Criterion still. It is. Good. But, um, yeah, those, yeah, those six were like, all right, this is, this is what you'd expect when you walk in and see my shelf. I already have a few Tarkovskis on there, so, you know. That gets the obvious ones. Um, the other two things I bought were um, DVD, uh, Blu-ray collections for uh, Big O. Which oh, I got. you got Big O? I got it for. I'm tw- gonna steal that from you sometime. I got it for twenty bucks on um, on this uh, website. Yeah, you're stealing this. You got to watch it. And I got uh, the entire collection of the anime series Votoms for twenty five dollars. Nice. Fifty two episodes, multiple OVA series, all mine. The deals for series are outrageous right now. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at, um, this is the complete opposite of what you're saying, but Best Buy has Married with Children on DVD for 20 bucks. Oh, my God. The entire thing? Yeah, but there, there's no theme song. Oh. Which does, it does ruin the entire vibe. That's like, the, that's on the same scale as um, the recent Evangelion releases don't have Fly Me to the Moon. In the, I, uh, and you know how I feel about that. Ah, uh, that's a shame. You can't have one without the other <laughs> I come over to you but I'm dressed as the dog and I take the money out of your hand um, 
yeah, those were the things. Those are the things I picked up. It's it's all stuff that you know I probably talked about with you and to multiple people of our pod pod audience, our Almanite Nation in the past. The Nash. The Nash. Um, yeah, I'm pleased with my purchases. I'm excited Word. to watch Barry Lyndon again. I have that in shrink wrap because I've never seen it. Oh man. Oh I know. boy. I know. You thought Fiddler on the Roof felt long? This thing? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like the kind of movie you'd want to watch on a, on a, set, a February afternoon. <laughs> you want to watch it on the side of a barn just to get all the details. <laughs> um, but yeah, all right. What did you buy, Cavo? Let me hear it. Oh, God. Uh, an embarrassing amount. I'll give the highlights. Um, uh, Verhoeven's Total Recall, that new 4K. So I bought a ton of 4K. Um, I didn't think I was going to do it, but I figure I'll be in a place to get a new console in the spring. Mm. And when I get that console, I'll have the disc player anyway. So from Barnes & Noble, I got McCabe and Mrs. Miller, the uh, Criterion release, and then Amazon Price Match Citizen Kane. So it's coming even though the Blu-ray disc has a contrast issue that means that before the set has even been released, I'm going to have to mail it to the Criterion office and get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that happened, but it's whatever. Like, Again, the, just a note for people who are looking at that Citizen Kane, uh, the 4K remaster is the one that was done 10 years ago. It's not going to be as revelatory, but how could it if you remember how beautiful that looked 10 years ago? Um, and it's still great. And if you just have Blu-ray, I've been watching that Blu-ray for ten years, and it's great. So, uh, what else? Kurosawa's Ran. They have a. I never thought I would say this, but there's a Best Buy exclusive steelbook for Kurosawa's Ran, <laughs> and it's the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. So I got that. Indiana Jones. Um, what else? What else are good? What else are good? Oh, uh, I remember. Yeah, you did pick up the four indie movies. You know, I got I, I cleaned up 2021 movies. I got Green Knight and Pig. Nice. Two of my favorites. I should have gotten the Sparks Brothers. I didn't. Ooh, um, I am I am definitely borrowing borrowing Pig from you at some point. Yeah, I, I should have thrown it at you the other night. To be fair, you threw you gave me like two other movies, so that's true. That's good enough. For um, I got your favorite fucking movie of all time, Knives Out. I got The Fifth Element. I oh got boy. Ghostbusters. Um, F9, which was stupid because they're going to do a box set with F9 and Hobbs and Shaw yeah. when the next one comes out. So what am I doing? Because I'm just going to buy that. And I already have the first eight on Blu-ray. So what am I doing? I'm going to I'm gonna drive myself crazy. Um, okay. I'll tell you what, I, what didn't drive me crazy. What? Um, a movie that I saw over the weekend that I can read everybody I know like a book about Ghostbusters Afterlife, okay? I know exactly how people are. You do not watch it. Like, do not. My advice to you is just, like, watch the Red Letter Media review. It's what you're going to think of this movie when you see it. Yeah. Uh, stay away. Yeah. But everyone else, you know, uh, did you like Force Awakens? You want to you wanna see it again? No. Boy, do, well, I know you don't, <laughs> but uh, boy, do I have a movie for you. It's Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's The Force Awakens with Ghostbusters in it. I don't know. Um, it's fine. I, you got to understand, the bar for this, for me, was so astronomically low. I, mm. How could it be worse than the Papa John's commercial that made you a criminal if you didn't like it? 
Um, it could be worse by being so completely mediocre, but so, but make so much money that it influences the way companies create products. I mean, make movies for the rest. Oh, of Oh, like time. Force Awakens? Yeah. <laughs> I, I will. The, the Red Letter Media guys do make a point I agree with, which mm. is the success of the Force Awakens by being just like a totally fine Star Wars reboot. Mm. Uh, did set the tone for a bunch of other movies that I, I also really like. Um, we've talked about Halloween 18 on this show. For Shin Halloween, right? Yes. is a movie I really love. I think it's great. But let's not pretend that David Gordon Green didn't sit in The Force Awakens and go, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, let's not pretend that that's literally the pitch for this afterlife. I don't want to give too much away. I think some of it is done more tastefully than than not. It was really weird. I saw the I saw clips from the movie how they put Peter Cushing in. I'm not sure what was up with that. What is Peter Cushing doing in this movie? I don't know either. <laughs> I will say there is a cameo by J.K. Simmons that I I didn't recognize no his face. I I didn't recognize his face. Yeah, he. Wow. Um, I don't want to go into it, but he plays a part in the. Uh, grand scheme of the plot yeah um although if you've seen ghostbusters one you have a ninkling of of what that plot might be because beat for beat it is the same idea down to paul rudd okay oh no paul rudd i'll I'll go back anyway jk simmons plays a part and i didn't expect it and i didn't recognize him uh for the two seconds he's on screen that you can see his face I'm actually okay with that. I like, um, I mean, it's J.K. Simmons. We're fans of J.K. Simmons. You have to be a fan of J.K. Simmons. To listen to this show, it's a requirement. Oh, agreed. No one in the niche hates J.K. Simmons. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, Paul Rudd is basically miming Rick Moranis. Oh, goodness. Um, But in in the way that... Everyone is kind of miming Ghostbusters characters in this movie, except for podcast, of course. Uh. Good old podcast, who's new. Um, but, like, you know, I think he does a good job, but halfway through the movie, like, the glass shattered on that. Sorry if you didn't catch it watching Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sorry if I broke that for you. But he's, like, literally miming Moranis, Ooh. who who can come back for a commercial, but where is he in this film? Um. Hello, Richard, we miss you. You know how the guy who played Wedge Antilles in the original Star Wars was supposed to come back for Force Awakens, but the the check was too small? I didn't know that. He tried to hold him up for money? Yeah, he said, no, I, I want, make, give me more money. And they said, no. Well, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Wedge, could, could you believe I heard a story about Nia and Nub where they lost track of the guy mm-hmm. and then they found him? Where? Uh, in a country far away that I don't remember at the moment. Oh, so he's kind of. I'll like, link it to you after the show. It's nuts. It's so a crazy it's, story. So it's kind of like what happened with Big Ed's actor, um, when Lynch was hunting him down for Twin Peaks: The Return. We've talked about this, haven't we? I didn't know that, and that's crazy. Um, yeah, I'm gonna paraphrase. I need to find his. Here's his actor. Where's his name? Uh, Everett McGill. He, at some point of the in the last few decades since Twin Peaks, he just sort of went off and did his own thing. 
And David and Lynch himself posted on Twitter, "Hey, I'm looking for Everett McGill. Has anyone heard higher hair of him? We cannot find this guy." And apparently, through some weird grapevine, someone passed along a phone number to a house that McGill apparently frequented. It was his like aunt's house that he would just maintain. Like he'd come out, come by once every so often just to tidy up. And Lynch happened to call on the day he was there tidying up. Huh. And that's how they got in contact with uh, Big Ed, and that's why he's on the show in uh, The Return the last, after the last few episodes. Huh. Right? Fucking weird. I remember seeing t- Lynch's tweet asking for where uh, McGill went. Huh. Yeah. That's very strange. Right? I found the... Uh, I, found, I found this Nian Nub actor. Oh, no. Bill Rodick. Yeah. He's Kenyan and was speaking in Kenyan languages as Nia Nub. Oh my God. And then that work was done. Off he went. As it was back then, right? It wasn't a bajillion dollars stupid factory. Yeah. And then Disney found him. God. The the only description in the Wikipedia article is that he was located. You oh, here we go. The feature is called The Road to Ro- Rotik Finding Nia Nub. Cannot hide I'm gonna from I'm gonna look into this and if it's good we'll talk about it on a future episode of Ammonite Movie Night. Please. I'll put it in the show notes. You cannot hide from the mouse, Kevin. Anyway, that's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, you already know if you're gonna like it by the trailer, I promise. Yeah. But also, the trailer probably ruins a bunch of stuff that you're gonna wish you didn't know. Um, try to see it in Dolby, where it'll shake it to death. Ooh. Does it like? Oh my god! Does it just reach out and like grab you by the shoulders and just give you a little woo? The subwoofer. I've never had anything like that happen at the movies. I gotta say, <laughs> oh, I wish no. I had seen Dune this way. Like, it was like a theme park ride, which is probably why I liked it so much. Hey, there's no shame in that. It felt kind of like a theme park ride, and the action beats are good. Hmm. So. I'm so sorry. I have nothing to add. Yeah, I get it. I knew what this was. That's why we talked about Nian Nub. Mm-hmm. Nian Nub, the fleshiest character in all of Star Wars. That's why we talked about it, Jared. Excuse you. Jabba the Hutt would like to have some words. Um, anyway, what else did I watch? I'm making my way through Paul Verhoeven's films for the 70mm Discord uh, Verhoeven-ber. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta tell you, uh, his film Turkish Delight is like softcore porn. Yes. And I did not like it. Yeah, that's 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 for home for you. I was like, all right, there's wonderful, beautiful character moments in between softcore porn. Yeah, and that's not what I wanted to watch at that time. And then uh, uh, Soldier of Orange is an incredible war epic that's just sitting on the Internet Archive. Yeah. So why don't you go watch that? I remember you um, a few nights ago. You just randomly sent it to me. I was like, cool. I did not see this coming. But sure. Yeah, that one. Maybe I won't put in the show notes, but I told you how to get there already. There you go. You just just ask, you know, ask and ye shall receive. As the good book says, ask and ye shall receive. That was Moses. <laughs> um, what have you been watching, Jared? Uh, have you been watching any of that stuff you bought? Because God knows I haven't touched, like, my giant piles of crap. I only bought it a few days ago, so it hasn't even gotten here yet. Oh, um, right, right, right. It takes a minute. Um, I finished Shin Mazinger. Blah, 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 blah. It's amazing. I've said enough. Oh, you finished it. Mm-hmm. Got a. We're gonna be we're gonna be heading out on the uh, Gamera trilogy next, the '90s Gamera 
movies. I'm really excited. I haven't never seen those. Yeah, I haven't seen them either. Um, another, maybe I'll maybe I'll join you guys on that uh, in spirit. Please do. It would be fun I'll to have those. another another person to talk to about it. Um, movie I did watch is uh, Night and the City. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Good. I haven't seen it. It's a it's a it's a film noir from the fifties uh, about a con man who's really not good at being a con man and no one likes him, but he's he's got that determination. He's got that grit to spiral downward. As all noirs do, it's really, really good. It was one of those I um, I only heard about it from a, one of the guys I follow on the film Twitter. Guys I follow was mentioning how like you could just go into the Criterion, pick a random random noir, and watch one of the best movies of your week. And he, and he mentioned Night in the City, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna go watch Night in the City, and he was right. It was amazing. Kevin, wait, this is this is for you. Part of the con, the main character who's played by, um, his name is Harry Fabian. He's played by um, Richard Widmark. So I'm probably gonna jump between those names because this is me. Um, he he um, he's trying to make trying to make a quick buck, trying to get through his lot, get through life. He um, he cons a um, this professional wrestler, a Greek wrestler, into taking his like older Greek style of wrestling and. T- against modern wrestling i'm in it's this is on the criterion channel yeah it's really good it um there is a very long fight between these two wrestlers and they're both pros like they both actually do this so they're really going it going at it it's insane kevin like one of the most intense fight scenes i've had the privilege of seeing and i love uh the one between uh Roddy Piper and Keith David. It's a good one, though. Same, same oh, level, man. same level, same level of it being really long and really intense and really great for its own specific reasons. Check Discord. I'm just sharing the the Blu-ray cover of it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I think I know. I think Wh- I know. Which I think I may have to watch this movie. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, dude, that's amazing. This is the the Criterion Channel is so underrated, honestly. Oh yeah, it. The Criterion Channel has some UI stuff that'd be really cool to fix. Different profiles. Making my oh own Oh my list. god. But in terms of its selection, the only thing it, it, that rivals it is like HBO. And that's just because HBO Max has um has all those Turner movies. And like all the really, really beloved. But yeah, you uh, need to watch it. Immediately. It's like only an hour and a half. You'll, you'll breeze through it. I was going to watch, you know what I was going to watch tonight? I was going to watch uh, Aronofsky's Mother. We were cool. just talking about it in uh, in chat. Mm-hmm. I'm like in, a, in an Aronofsky mood after Black Swan. And it's in 4K HDR on America's Network Paramount+. Plus. Oh. So I feel like that might be a thing to do, just to get it out of the way. Yeah, might as well, I mean... I'm also, also I want, so, I want someone uh, I know... To tell me about it before I go in myself. Mother? Yeah. Mother. Oh yeah, mother. <laughs> oh, Brandon's over. Zandig. <laughs> Zandig. Uh, Zandig is a wrestler. Danzig was right. Tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children. Did you Did you know that Night in the City got remade with yeah. De Niro and Jessica Lange? Yeah, that was a. Uh, yeah, early '90s, I think, right? 
Yeah, the director of They Shoot Horses, Don't They? He produced the the Rocky Raging Bull, The Right Stuff, and Goodfellas. He's got a type, Ooh. it looks like. Ooh, no kidding. This was also his hot. next movie. Hmm? His next movie was The Net. Jesus. <laughs> also, this is hot. This is De Niro hot off of shaving his teeth down for Kate Fear. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I can't tell if that's an underrated Scorsese movie or rated exactly how it needs to be. Oh my god. Um, oh, you know what? Uh, Julia just came home, and you know what she brought from home? Kimba the White Lion on DVD. Yo. I think it's the whole anime. Maybe you should watch that tonight instead of uh, Mother. Yeah, maybe. Mother? Mother? Your mother, your mother. Your mother, your mother. Um, we have, wow, this has got all this. There's just a ton of content here. The extras disc? Love content. Interview with Fred Ladd. Oh, oh. You're my friend. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe I might dig into this. Hell yeah. It's a lot, and a lot of it is a lot of the same. Well, yeah. Yeah. But it's cute. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll dig into that. That little lion. Little talking bird. <laughs> um... What else you got, Jared? Do you watch anything else this week? Uh, Are you watching anything? Did you watch? Uh, not really. I've been um, I watched uh, I rewatched Dune again before it went yeah. off the went off the channel. It's great. Surprise. I feel like I feel like if I think any more about Dune this calendar year, I'm gonna be sick. Yeah. I feel like it was. It's like a lot of. Can- it's like candy. It was just so sweet, and there was so much of it to go around for so long that if I have to hear another fucking word about Dune, the blue, blue, the 4K is not even coming out until January, thank God, so there's your buffer of just like... Kevin, and then it's not back on HBO Max until March Kevin, at that point. It's pretty, much been ho- it's pretty much been Halloween for you since Halloween, or whenever Dune came out. I mean, pretty much, right? And I, I haven't even seen a Halloween movie in weeks. Damn. Wild. Yeah, uh, no Ultraman this week because I contain multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to House of Gucci tomorrow. Nice. I don't which, know what that's about, actually. House of Gucci is the... Remember how Ridley Scott made that movie The Last Duel? Yeah. Well, because of COVID, he had this in the chamber, too. They shot it in, like, two months. It's oh, Lady crap. Gaga, and it's someone... Unex- I think it's Adam Driver? I think so, yeah. You heard about this? It's Ridley Scott directing Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, and then Jared Leto did one of his little body transformation things. He put on a bald wig, and I think he ate a couple pizzas or something. Whoa! I'm so weird! Join my sex cult! Or is that the other one? The one who plays the Flash? I can't... Um, I think it's Ezra Miller with the sex cult. I can't keep these... Allegedly. I can't keep so these they weirdos... I can't keep these weirdos straight. I'm excited. I'm excited for Gucci. Maybe it'll be good. I mean, right. it'll either be good or a total disaster. Yeah. And I'm excited for both. Yeah. At the very, um, what at the else? very least, it's, it's Ridley Scott, so it's going to be interesting, which is all you can ask for. That's true. And then uh, after I get back from... I'm visiting home for Thanksgiving for a couple of days, and after I do that, um, Licorice Pizza is being shown in 70 millimeter here at Lincoln mm-hmm. Square. So I'm doing that Sunday night, so that's exciting. Nice, nice. 
I really want to see that movie. All right. I think I've exhausted all movie talk. All right. Guess we just have to move on to musicals, don't we? That's right. We will be taking a break. And then after that break, we'll be doing a deep dive into the Gentile Norman Jewison's Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, So stay tuned for that. All right, everyone, I would like to welcome everyone to, a, to our first and very early Blessing for the Wine. Oh, my God. I have my, I have my big jug of water, and I know this is coming out on a Wednesday, and we're not even recording this on a Wednesday, but damn it, I have standards here. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Puri Hagafen. Tastes like water. I'm just, I'm adjusting my yarmulke I've worn once in my life, so my skull is not ready to receive it. Oh, crap. I need to wear something on my head. All right. So you got to cover your head. There are a lot. Okay. So fun. So fun thing. When um, at the temple I went to, I was, I was a, had a reformed temple, so they were a lot more lenient. (laughs) If for some reason we didn't have a yarmulke on us. Like, who, whoever was needless would be like, oh, just put this on your head, and they put a napkin on our heads. So we'd be sitting in a temple in our nice, in our, like, you know, decent outfits with a napkin, with a napkin hovering over our eyes. <clears throat> that's but, pretty uh, good. Well, that's good. That's cute. You, you weren't shunned. No, I wasn't. We were just, uh, needled at until we put something on our skulls provided for us. So, <laughs> I've watched Fiddler <laughs> on the Roof a lot in my life. It's, uh... Uh, like uh, it's around this time of year, we'd all sit down, we'd watch Fiddler, and uh, sometimes a few weeks later we'd watch it again. I'm not sure why. I mean, have you seen it? You know why? Because it's good. It's a drug. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I don't know about you, like um, from the very start, like I'd already heard the songs a hundred times from my family playing it in the house or singing it to themselves um what was your first impression of this glorious glorious three hours and 45 minutes okay i do want to say i think it was three hours and 45 minutes for you because of tubi huh because i googled it and i saw it was three hours and 45 minutes and then I was like to Julia, I was like, this movie can't be th- four hours long. There's, I would have heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Um, I think that the... Because I Googled it and it said that. I think it includes the ads. Oh. That's so obnoxious. Which is kind of brutal. But hey, that's how it would have played on TV. And that's why Tubi's great. So, I mean, Yeah, you have a good point there. Um, I had only known Fiddler on the Roof from parodies. <laughs> from specifically the Forbidden Broadway, this is so bad. They did Alfred Molina was Tevia on Broadway, and the so the medley was called Fiddler with No Jew, because Alfred Molina is not Jewish and he was Tevia. He's so a guy funny. from England. What is he doing, right? Why is he Tevia? Look, um, he... which I didn't, I didn't know shit about any of that. I think Alfred Molina captures the essence of. Tevia, and by extent being Jewish, which is you're a weird, sweaty guy who likes to shimmy and complain a lot. He does look an awful lot the part, right? 
Yeah, he... He looks like Topol. Yeah, he really does. It's very, very, like... It's that it's the heavy brow, the, the eyebrows, and those eyes. Granted, they both... They don't have the same teeth. Topol, I love Topol's, like, wild, me- wild messed up teeth. They add so much charm to everything he does in this, uh, in this film. But yeah, Alfred Molina. He, uh... I would. Well, I wish I saw him on stage. He was probably amazing. It's. It, it must have been something else. So it was that, and then it was also the same season that Alfred Molina came to Fiddler at the Easter Bonnet banquet that year. The hot new show of the year, Avenue Q, teamed up with them to do. <laughs> this is so bad to do something called Avenue Jew, and it was essentially oh. like. It's that the cast of Avenue Q essentially move into Anatevka, which sounds cruel um, now that I've seen Fiddler on the Roof to do. Um, nothing in that was, nothing in that has aged quite well, including uh, pairing up Laser Wolf with Rod from Avenue Q. Jesus. Um, and then yeah, Tevya has quite a few words. Oh, no. And then they make fun of, they bring out the George Bush puppet, and because uh, that's where we were. Hey, but Kevin, what else was um, Alfred Molina doing around that time? Oh, can we tell this great story? He was prepping to do Fiddler on the Roof on the set of Spider-Man 2. So there's this amazing outtake where um, the guys who did the... Because back then, movies used to matter to people. So they had uh, puppeteers doing the octopus arms. And there's that great clip of... uh, Of Molina copying Topol, essentially... Doing if I were a rich man, and the little uh, claws are snapping along with him. It's so so adorable. It's so good. Um, but I had avoided, the, you know, the last time it was on Broadway. I mean, I I was seeing one show a year when Molina was in it, and I Kevin Riley Jr. was not gonna pick his one musical as Alfred Molina in in a pretty dour fiddler on the roof, right? <laughs> Yeah. And by the time I got back into theater in 2017, the Danny Burstein Fiddler had just closed. Mm. And then while the Yiddish production was open here, which I'm glad I didn't see. I'm glad I saw it in English the first time to really kind of soak it in. I feel like Yiddish the second time is such a wildly powerful experience. I have to imagine. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I was poor and couldn't go to that. <laughs> so... Yeah. I just missed it completely. Hey man, can't blame can't uh, can't blame can't blame yourself for that. You were a, um, you but, were a young age. But man, what a righteous, incredible thing! What a wild, um, even to the very end, funny. Oh yeah. As it is heartbreaking, kind of deal. Um, I feel which, like which you, I, is the Jewish experience right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean. You know, far be it from me to make that call. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's wonder of wonder, miracle of miracles comes to mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is going to be a difficult one to parse because it's three hours of of an experience. There is the closest you can get is is that it's an examination of the changing times, that kind of thing, because that's a whole undercurrent of the movie. But more than that, it's just life. And that's... How do you parse that? It's about the way things change as life goes on. It's about um, the passing of time. 
socially. It's about the passing of time personally. It's about the passing of time, I guess, romantically in some ways. It's about the certainly politically as well. Culturally, um, culturally, there's a lot of there's a lot of imagery in there that's about about the time it was written in and the time it was composed. As yeah. we were protesting at the Vietnam War and losing a lot of innocence as a country at that point. Mm-hmm. It's also about the different type of different type of uh, of uh, Jews. You have skinny skinny Jew who marries a uh, Seitel. You have handsome, rugged, no beard Jew who um, I'm trying to find her name because I'm forgetting. Who uh, runs off with Hodel? And then uh, that, that well, he's not a Jew. He's just a, he's a goyim. He's that's the whole thing. Is he's uh, he can get married by the Russian priest Hava? Mm. Won't you read my book, Hava? <laughs> what a fucking guy! What's going on, Hava? It's heartbreaking. I mean, per I mean, um, Perchik, the 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 Marxist. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah, it's Perchik. He's he kind of sounds like a Broadway actor from the early seventies. Yes. He sounds like he belongs on the company recording. He sounds like this. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so it's yeah. it's it's funny. There are a handful of characters that do just sound like actors from the time. Meanwhile, Topol is like totally in Tevia mode. Oh yeah. So you'll have Tevia and Golda will talk, for example, and Tevia will 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 be like, "Ah, oh, the my village. We like to go over here," and Golda will just be like, "I am your wife." <laughs> Norma it's Crane. very, Norma Crane but that's that's all part universe. of it. Oh yeah, that's but that's all part of it. Um, it, it it just it made me. I was extremely happy and sad in reaction to the work, mm-hmm. but I was also just deeply saddened because we're never. It's never going to be like that again, unless Steven Spielberg wants to copy this one too. You know what I mean? Uh, can which mind explaining a little bit. The new West Side Story looks just like the old West Side Story, and we really haven't changed that much, except in terms of like almost direct-to-video tier camp recreations of like hairspray and stuff. Mm. Uh, not that I don't enjoy some of that stuff; I enjoy hairspray. But man, like number one, nothing is getting composed today that is remotely as popular and successful while being artistically successful as Fiddler. Mm-hmm. Um, it will have to have been based on a movie from 20 years ago to even get on stage or a really bad idea like a Princess Diana musical, right? Beetlejuice is out there somewhere with his ears burning bright red. Oh, yeah. B- fucking at the marquee, Beetlejuice's ears are burning. <laughs> Don't say his name one more time. He'll pop up. But it's just like, you know, then you look down the pike and the closest thing we have to that today is uh, they're doing a Wicked movie at Universal. Goodness, are they? And it's Cynthia Erivo as Alphaba and uh, Ariana Grande as as Glinda, right? And it's like, yeah, I guess that is the movie you have to make, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Now, like that's the like as a medium, and I'm not even talking about Fiddler the work. I'm talking about as a medium. Like, fuck, like this will like in the way that everything is like. You know, in in the way that old people generally whine about how things aren't like they used to be, mm-hmm. things will never be that way again, huh? Like those people have moved on. That's like, yeah, man. Like as an art, musical theater is just, I don't know. Uh, in in the mainstream as a whole, it's just kind of this. Uh, um, if you thought, where where if you is where is were, uh, 
If you thought movies were looking bad, wait until you hear about musical theater. Oh my god. I just, you know, it was like, it made me sad because it's like in the same way that like finishing a TV show makes me sad. There's a finality to it. There's like, oh shit. Well, now I've seen, you know, maybe that's part of why I haven't seen this movie is because I I don't know. You don't want to, there's that little magic in there. I don't want to have, I wanted to have the perfect time. It ended up, this was the perfect time, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. It made me sad that, you know, the future of musical theater movies are... 28-year-old, um, what's his name, Platt, in a movie his father produced, wandering around a high school. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's his name, Platt? Oh, my God. This is so bad. Anyway, enough of that. Ben Platt. It's uh, Thank you. Ben Platt. It's Ben Platt. The oldest the oldest 12-year-old on the planet. The it's man. true. But, but enough about poor that, man. Jared. Yes. I want to talk about Fiddler on the Roof, which from second one with that amazing, amazing fiddle, mm-hmm. just just it just entrances you, and you see Tevia, and it's Topol who's like totally the most enchanting guy, and you're sucked into it. You you believe it, like, oof, the way he holds himself, he carries himself, it really how he. The deliberation in which he speaks adds so much to the entire movie. He takes everything nice and easy at his own rate. And because of that, you don't even realize three hours are going by. You just feel like you're watching a life as the world slowly turns and uh, those traditions that, he, that we've held so, so close to our hearts start to look a little funny in the mirror i love it man it's I'm, I'm i there's i just i'm trying to trying to find the the way to attack this thing um tevia is the most relatable fictional character because he's a weird guy who hates working but he loves to shake to hit dance complain and eventually he talks to, and he kind of talks himself and it's kind of weird but you like him a lot he's just a guy I love I love the depiction of how he um his inner conflict, his inner monologue being like, you know, with God is, you know, he's talking to himself, he's figuring his stuff out, but it also serves as his inner conflict. Um obviously his his conflict with his uh love for his daughters and his faith specifically showing up with um his da- his daughters slowly changing how people, you know, con- confronting his notions of tradition in the form of marriage and love him with his uh with his uh with his wife with golda uh do you love me then figuring out that yes this was assigned but we do love each other it's been so much of this Um, how could we not have fallen in love exactly ah and ah the one shot the one shot of course at the end of act one when the uh when the pogrom takes to the village and you see him look to the sky and just sort of give that what's why right inner conflicts with god as well as himself his traditions have led him here but you know just trying to scratch it just trying to scratch out a little living for themselves without breaking their necks that's right god i love this i love this movie what's your favorite song this is a hard one okay i i think that hmm 
now they didn't do they didn't do it here in this movie, but on stage in tradition when all four parts are singing at once. That is my favorite part. I think "To Life" is probably my favorite song. Oh, you mean the four parts of uh, tradition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then "To Life" is my favorite song itself. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite scene in the movie is Tevye's Dream. Tevye's Dream mm-hmm. is my um, yeah. That's my favorite. That's my favorite song. I think it's so goofy and weird and charming. No one told me about Tevye's Dream. Mm-hmm. Mazel that was tov, a surprise. Mazel tov. A blessing on your head. Mazel tov, mazel tov. It's so, it's so much. It's so goofy and cartoony. Uh, what was what did what was it you described? Tim Burton. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of it feels suspicious. A lot of it feels familiar to me. A lot of the elements of it are curious. He might have been a young fella, a young uh, a young kid when that movie came out. Much to consider. Much to think about. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know. Again, how I, do you even broach this? How do you even broach this film? What What are your favorite, uh, your favorites? So your favorite song is Tevye's Dream. I adore that. I adore that song. It's so charming in a way that I just, it's hard to put into words. Also, the other ones are the obvious ones. Like, if I were a rich man, because come on. Like, duh. No shit. Water Do you wet. have a pulse? Yeah. Um, I, I have a fondness for the second half because of the cinematography takes a wild turn from the warmth and the intimacy of the early stuff into when Golda's going to the priest at the church. Yes. The, just those horrifying, like, far away cold. You feel like you're observing her, which is probably how she feels, the one Jew in going up to a church her running back along the road with the dead uh, tree where, go, where she goes to tell Tevya about um, about uh, oh gosh Hava yeah Hava Hava uh, that scene is so heartbreaking he, the, that Tevya cannot reconcile with his, tri- with his daughter's love and his traditions he cannot compromise on that but even at the end he, you can tell he wants to so badly Oof. but he's already been bent so much yeah and and we'll look at what's about to happen. Yeah. And then look at what happens just minutes after all of that. Within within a day or two of uh mm-hmm. Yeah, it's within the same time frame. Like the the I find it remarkable that Fiddler has the gall to present the ticking time bomb of when are the Russians gonna come come for us. Oh Definitely. my god. They lost they, I lost I lost track of it. I couldn't believe it. In the first act, I lost track of it. And I I knew they were going to come, mm-hmm. and the more when I realized we were at the wedding, I felt a pit in my stomach of like, "Oh no." Mm-hmm. Like this is this is how we do this. This is how they come back. Mhm. The wedding is my favorite scene. There's so many elements in that in this in the wedding that I of oof the sheer uh, depiction of how Jews celebrate, which is go insane, is right. so wonderfully accurate. Just because, not to har- not to not to not to bring the mood down, but you know, it's uh, the Jews are not ex- haven't exactly had the happiest history in the world. No, of course. And that's one of those things that, like, um, culturally has popped up in Judaism. I find that, like, 
you're alive, you survived, celebrate as wild as you can. So, you know, with all the, with all the men with the bottles on their heads and they start dancing, uh, like, and when they drop to the ground and start kicking their legs, kicking their legs out. <laughs> Jared went method for this show. I did. I'm like Christian Bale. It's amazing, too, uh, in the to life sequence earlier, the differences between the, the Jews in the village and the uh, the, Cos- the Cossacks. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of awesome tension there where Tevye is too drunk to not be friendly, which is great, which is just incredible. Everyone else is like, Tevye, what are you doing? And Tevye's just, ah, he's trying to comprehend uh-huh. what's happening. Why are there two Cossacks spinning around his eye, round right now in front of his eyes? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like that, and along with um, his nickname for the uh, the one, for that higher, that, uh, oh, goodness. He calls him the counselor or your highness or something. Right. The one Russian that's friendly to, to them. Right, right. Like all the stuff that's seeded with him and Tevya, you really... The ball is rolling very early on and then does everything in its power to make you forget. In, in, their, in one of their first scenes together, he says that he's just following orders. Yep. And, and that, I knew, was not going to go well. Oh, yeah. That's like that, uh, that's his one repeating line. I'm just trying to follow orders, which happens to be a very familiar line repeated through history. So <sighs> who's your favorite side character? Yeah, thank you for this, because it's time for us to power rank the side characters. Oh, God. So, um, anyone who knows me is walking into this thinking it's going to be Nakam the Beggar. <clears throat> who has dialogue that was cut from the film. Yeah. He's not just uh, he's not just some kind of mute puppet. They left him mute for some reason in this. I'm like, I don't know if that was intentional when they started cutting things around or accidental. Like they just didn't have any speaking lines. But but I mean, he's amazing. He's yeah. incredible. But he is not my. He's an, he's a close second to who? To the younger devout guy who um, a very thick black facial hair. <gasps> yes. Yes. I forget his character's name because his character has a name, but he's the one who's like extremely religious and he's going back and forth. We have to listen to the rabbi, the rabbi, the rabbi. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's like the one who's pretty much next in line to be the rabbi of uh, Anatevka. That's right, but I can't recall the character's name. He is far and away my favorite. Damn. I'm, I liked him a lot too, but I'm, I'm surprised that he stuck out that hard to you. I've... Avram, you know, the uh, the one guy in the village who could read, who would always bring news, and everyone says, why don't you bring good news? And he gets so offended. It's like, <laughs> I don't write it. I just read it. He gets so offended. I just dropped into Jerry. Jerry. Oh, no. That was not Japan. <laughs> but Avram, yeah, I loved Avram. He was one of my, he's one of my tops. Avram the, rules. The rabbi who clearly... Does, is just tired of being asked 500 questions, but, you know, he has to do his job. Oh, my God. Can we talk about also when the rabbi at the end? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like everything else obviously is dramatic and heartbreaking, but there was just something about the way they shot the this. Um, the rabbi is, uh, he's removing the Torah from the mm-hmm. kind of sacred cabinet, and he wraps it up in the cloth, mm-hmm. and he he looks around. And there's no audio. Yeah. 
Jesus. Like, like that sank in in a way that was like, oh. Just because uh, for as unique as Anatevka is, this situation is not unique, and you know that there have been countless rabbis who have done the exact same thing. That's exactly right. I saw it as both like a goodbye to this ornate, wonderful, uh, and the set is incredible in the oh, temple. It's gorgeous. But it's also like, how many more of these am I going to see? Because he's an old guy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how many more temples am I going to run from? And uh, sadly, like considering his age and considering it's Russia and the temperature, he's probably sitting there thinking, this is my last temple. Exactly. He's not going to Chicago, America. No, he's going he's gonna to go where he may. May, the, may God love and keep the Tsar far away from us. That's right. <laughs> uh, Jesus. That so funny. Jesus. Oh, oh. Laser Wolf has always <laughs> stuck out to me. Because one, his beard is intense, and he has those really bright eyes. Like, the eyes of Laser Wolf are insane. Could you imagine being like seventeen and you have to marry the eyes of Laser Wolf? Oh my god! How old is Laser Wolf? A million? Oh god, he's in his like mid to late sixties. The worst part is he wasn't even malicious. He was just Tevya. I'm lonely. And then Tevya immediately responds, "What do you want my cow for?" <laughs> the misunderstanding between them is so like there's so much of that stuff this like I don't want to say borscht belt because it feels too uh, but this old almost old fashioned theater humor is so mm-hmm. good Tevya coming over to Laser Wolf's house thinking it's about the purchase of a cow it's so good and so both, good they're both so in their own personalities that they cannot see outside oh this guy wants to marry oh this guy thinks I'm talking about a cow even when right. they straight up say, he starts talking about the damn cow itself, Laser Wolf does not get it. And it's oh. funny because it's like, it's also kind of a criticism of that whole process as a whole. Because mm-hmm. how dissimilar was it that these two grown men who, you know, work and provide for their families got mixed up mm-hmm. between the selling of livestock and the, the, this dowry? It very. It's, it criticizes the idea of giving your child away, giving your daughter away, it criticizes that from the get-go without, you know, taking a, taking a knife to the Jewish tradition. It doesn't say Jews are bad, Judaism is wrong. It's just, look how absurd this is. And then it gives you the alternative, which is miracles of miracles. And I, that too, that is tied for uh, Tevia's Dream is my favorite song. I think... Um, not to not to not to tra- uh, tangent too hard, but the man who played Mottel, on this show, uh, Leonard Frey, who played Mottel, I thought he was that song. He was wonderful, fantastic performance for um, Miracle of Miracles. But yeah, back to Laser Wolf and his. He's so good. Eyes. Sorry, I put it on because I'm like, this is where I'm at with Fiddler, so in that I'm just thinking about it so much. It's so good. It's just he kind of has a, uh, you know, you know who this guy kind of looks like. Who? And maybe this is not the place to say it, but uh, he kind of looks like a uh, little Steven Spielberg <laughs> to me. <laughs> yes. I, no. And it was very. Do you see what I mean? It was yes. very distracting. 
No, it's um. He has the same like those small, twinkly, kind eyes. The glasses, the light beard. It's just the it's the it's the skinny, skinny, gawky Jewish guy look. Like it, <laughs> it, 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 they, we all we all mix in. We all we all have. There a, are types of people. I'm a type of person. We have a look, which isn't bad. It's. Oh, oh! You know how Yenta, my other favorite character. <laughs> One, she has a standout scene where she comes over, complains about no one liking her, steals Golda's food, and then guilts her into letting her stay stay for food, stay for more food. Great stuff. In the Broadway play, do you know who played Yenta? I don't. B. Arthur. Oh, what? <laughs> B. Arthur played. How does that Yenta. play? <laughs> Apparently, she was. What different. is aggro Yenta? She was just aggro Yenta. Exactly that. Apparently they changed some characterizations from um, play to movie just to adhere to American sensibilities a bit more. Okay, I get it. But like, B. Arthur, Arthur as the matchmaker is the funniest thing. Could you imagine just the most perturbed matchmaker on the planet telling you to marry this person or she'll kick your ass? Absolutely oh. nuts. How'd you feel about the intermission? Um, perfectly timed, absolutely incredible. The best time to have an intermission. Yes. It uh, it cl- and I mean, I mean, a lot of it is due to the theater being what it is. Yeah, right. The story structure is the play. You know, they didn't fundamentally change the structure of this from the stage to the movie. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense where it cuts. It's perfect. The second act. Um, the first act is its own movie. It's almost two hours in itself. And then the third hour, it's perfectly structured so that the second act isn't super long. Mm-hmm. And also, you're loving it enough that you can do another hour of Fiddler on the Roof, no sweat. What are you, crazy? You know, why not? It takes, all, it takes its sweet time building up these characters in this town they live in, and then, you, then the story continues. Which is... And then the frame drains of color. Yes. Oh, God. It starts to look like a... The ugly version of Tarkovsky's Russia. Similar, um, color, similar color palette in places, weirdly enough. But that just might be depic- depicting Russia. But that's not for me to say. I think that's beyond me. I get um, what you're saying. But what were we going to say? Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now because this is the research we do for the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there are a bunch of stuff that was added to this movie that obviously you couldn't. Yeah. But but it's interesting what was added. Um, I mean, everything that doesn't take place in Anatevka, right? Yeah. The arrest in Kiev, uh, a Perchik uh, being arrested in Kiev, the constable getting orders from his boss, um, Golda goes to look for the priest, which mm-hmm. is, uh, to not have that scene, at least in some way on stage, is amazing to me. Um, yeah. Hmm. I don't get it. Um, the rabbi takes the Torah out of the ark inside the synagogue for the last time. He weeps and chants quietly about having to abandon the synagogue. I just read that. I mean, we t- we talked about this scene, right? Mm. But wow, what the fuck? How could you not have? I feel like that's like half of it. I feel like that's such a vital image. And to have just come up with that for this film is like amazing to me. I'm trying to think of the movie without that scene. I think it stands because... It stands just because it's about the community itself leaving, but like with that scene, I think it adds a whole other layer of why they're leaving. You get to see 
the beauty of what this religion, this culture is, and it's the very reason they're getting kicked out of their homes. Right. You get one last one last stop with the person who's seen it the longest of anyone living in their town. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this list, and it's a lot of teeny moments that add that add so much weight to the uh, to the whole story. Oh. We good? No, you're fine. Okay. Tevya feeding his animals in the barn for the last time, which is a, I think, an, a very important character note for him. Like, how could you not have some of that? I mean, like, to do the horse on stage and stuff. Yeah, that, oh gosh. I don't know. Um, you that. probably couldn't do that. They did that. They didn't that? I mean, when they're arguing over the stage. Oh, that's stage. in there. Yeah. Oh. We're talking about when he when he says goodbye to the horses for the last time. Oh, which was yeah. Not Did I tell you? Sorry to interrupt, but I want to tell you this because I think it's important. The ending, uh, the one I saw, Danny Burstein, yeah. where he puts on his little orange hat. Yeah. And to like bring it circular, I guess that now it's like related to modern times. Okay. And I was like, like my like I guess it was like because this was during like a lot of like the Syrian refugee crisis and. Sure. Um. And that was the style at the time because South Pacific does did modern commentary and yeah. My Fair Lady did modern same director. Like, so I I didn't like it because not that I didn't like it, but it's just like to me the story is so related. Like it's every immigrant story in that it has no ending. You can't point at something you don't and make ha- it like this is it. about this. And it also was so like they just threw that one thing in there at the end. It wasn't like. You know? Right. It's like, if you're going to do that, give me a little more than just like, oh yeah, also this is about everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, we know. You know. We can figure that out. I get you. And the movie could have done that. Yeah. Um, the movie could have been like, oh, but look, it's Vietnam. And that's what we're talking about. But they didn't have to. But they didn't have to. This but is 1971. But again, with, um, what, what, what like uh, we were talking about before with, um, how, you know, mixing up. The two of them unable to comprehend that they're just talking about selling something between Laser Wolf and Tevia. They know a way to introduce ideas and talk about them without telling you. You just sort of get the hint, and then they build up from there. Like right. a rabbi looking around the to- looking around the temple. Theoretically, that could happen to anyone anywhere. That has That's to, right. They have to leave their home because they're persecuted. Beyond. This set this situation of you know their Jews Torah temple you could make it into it's a it's relatable you're saying goodbye to something that holds so much meaning for something as arbitrary as our asshole neighbors have more men than us and right more wanton to bloodshed it's a eternally unfortunately eternally relatable to anyone who's dealt with that kind of persecution right. A that is. On your head. Mazel tov, mazel tov. I don't remember the rest. You want to talk about? You want to get mad about stuff? Hmm. Um, that's kind of sure. unrelated. But um, I looked oh. up the Oscars for this year. Okay. Who beat them? Who beat them? All right. So first of all, the the nominees for best picture. Were Clockwork Orange, Fiddler on the Roof, The Last Picture Show, <laughs> the, the French Connection, 
And Nicholas and Alexandra, which is a British uh, epic historical drama. So Nicholas and Alexandra won. The French Connection won. It beat A Clockwork Orange and The Last Picture Show. Damn. Wow. Um, and Friedkin won Best Director as well. Whoa. Which is insane. Uh, Gene Hackman over Haim Topol. Stupid. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. George C. Scott got a pity nomination for a movie just called The Hospital that oh. uh, I haven't seen, but Patty Chayefsky script, maybe I will watch this. Was that, did he get revenanted? Um, well, he didn't even win, so I don't know. Oh. Uh, Jane Fonda for Clute. Uh, no, no woman was nominated in this film for Best Actress, unfortunately. They were all really good. Um, yeah, no, it looks like all these, uh, the Fiddler didn't win. Uh, Chayefsky got it for the hospital. But no, there's no... Fiddler on the Roof didn't even win Best Costumes. That's really unfortunate. Oh, John Williams for adapting the score and, and the best sound, which is true. Correct. And the cinematography, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. By Oswald Morris. <laughs> I still can't believe... Norman Jewison, the Gentile. Isn't that insane? That's the funniest thing. That's so good. <laughs> oh. All right. What else oh. do you have, Jared? We've we've touched on so much, but I feel like. Honestly, I feel like of all of our little traditions we're doing here, I feel like we're never going to run out of things to talk about with this movie. This is the kind of thing where something new is going to show up every year we watch it. Um, when uh, Tevia and Laserwolf were having their conversation, and there's that freeze frame on Laserwolf's face, I forgot how funny that entire scene oh was. Oh my god, freezes. I was losing my mind at Tevia that. just muttering to himself like a little weirdo. He's so such a strange man. The editing, the jump cuts and stuff, like the, the some of that editing, it's kind of like a this is a couple of years later, but uh, it reminded me of some of that Jaws editing around the shark, you know. Mm. Um, this like, there's no audio momentum to it. It's just kind of happening free of the audio to throw you off. Mm-hmm. Sometimes is humorous, but mostly is like um, Golda having a panic attack. Yes. Right. At the wedding, I had a dream. I had a yeah. premonition. Oh my god. <laughs> the um, uh, can we talk about the fiddler? Who, um, if he if there was one more scene with the fiddler, he would have knocked the uh, the the really religious guy off the list. Really, the fiddler is so awesome. He's such a little uh, such he's a little, little scamp. He's a little guy. He's uh, he's just showing up. How'd you feel about and that I, last scene? Where it's so oh. goddamn miserable, but, you know. Yeah. But yeah. that's what it's like. That's, that's, that is the Jewish... I think what it's trying to say is that the Jewish experience is like a fiddler on the roof. It is a precarious crazy, and dangerous life. Sounds crazy, no. But here, you know. Um, it's it's a, a tough life, but you live it because, you it know... Is. The entire ending is so sad, and then he hears the music playing behind him. And you know, yeah, he's, he does a little, come on. And that's the Jewish experience. Your home, Anatevka is home, but it, that's not home. Your, your culture, your identity, that's your home. 
a broom, and a tefka, and a tefka, a broom, a hat, a stool. And the Jewish culture is, this sucks. We still got a little song in our heart. And then uh, the credits roll, and it's loud and bombastic over a wasted, barren Russian uh, landscape, which I thought was uh, very funny. I'm so happy that Jewison decided to uh, have the fiddler stop playing mm. and then didn't cut away and let the fiddler just be like, all right, well, it's time to, time to leave. I, I noticed that. As a, Even as he a left. Child. As a child, I noticed that. I was like, that was a very interesting thing to have him finish and then just walk along. Give that... Just because, you know, even, even in moments of joy, trying to find your joy, trying to find that song, you need to acknowledge those little silent moments of, well... It's not always going to be song and, songs and dance. <laughs> That's right. Oh. That's a very, very good po- uh, thing to point out, that they've had him stop playing for a little bit at the very end. As if the movie already wasn't so full of life. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's the whole gamut, the whole experience. The wedding... Oh, man, the argument at the wedding. <laughs> you can get rid of Disease chickens and mottles. When like, they're my chickens, when the Russians came in and cut up the feather pillow, I was livid. Yes, yes. I was like, "Fuck no!" The pillows. Yes, they make such a big deal about it, and they're destroyed so easily. It's oof. The feather industry must have made a mint on the production of this film. By the way. <laughs> No one in 30 years wants a fucking feather pillow. All of a sudden, they need a hundred of, hundred of them for this film. Every Jewish wedding from uh, 73 to, like, 79, everyone had goose feather pillows. Oh, my God. We were the most comfortable religion on the planet for a short period of time, just for the sheer <laughs> amount of goose feather pillows that we had in our houses. I'll tell you one thing, though. It really is effective when you shake it out. And it looks like there's way more than there is. Yeah. It's a nice effect. A little cloud. God, I love uh, Tevya concocting the dream. <laughs> yes. Which, uh, uh, at a moment, I read it at first as him bartering with God, like, oh, I gotta do this, it's not necessarily ethical, mm-hmm. but, uh, we're, you know. Nope. Nope, he was just, he was gaslighting his wife. Nope, he was just thinking about how he was gonna gaslight his wife into thinking about a ghost. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. She's wonderful for all, for all the scenes where she's where she's going insane. Norma Crane, she's hilarious. She's having so much fun, going wild. I'm happy that the wig is um, in the tradition of Judaism. Yes, as as devout women wear wigs. So the wig, I was looking at it, and I went to Julia like an idiot. I was like, look at this terrible wig. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> but obviously it's on purpose because you wear you cover your hair yeah. on on purpose. Uh, um, so that's that's pretty much my biggest Gentile faux pas. I think in this picture <sighs> is like look at that hair, and then also thinking the guy looks like Steven Spielberg was probably not a great move. Uh, uh, well, for one, you're saying it to me, and two, he looks like Steven Spielberg. It's the it's the goggles. He does. Skinny. It's this. It's the nose. It's his it's whole nose, thing. Huh? The nose, huh? They have the same fucking nose, dude. Come on. <laughs> no, Stop it's the, that. It's the nose, the eyes, again, the brow, the glasses, the beard. They have that similar skinny... It's the, it's the same Jewish body guy. type, dude. Yeah, exactly. It's a skinny, um, Jewish guy. One other thing that I was reminded about was was during the wedding. 
Oh. I was like, oh, it's the wrong finger. Little did I know. <laughs> That's just what you do. God. I want to watch this movie again now. It's so oh, hard. man. Uh, I can't wait. Back. When is it coming to 4K? I don't. That is my question. Because, like, the thing is, like, there was stuff in the print on Amazon Prime that was like, oh, that can be fixed. Oh. Scan it again. Scan it again. Um. Okay, so I, I looked it up out of curiosity. If there's anything about a 4K, there is no. There's not. There are no 4K versions of Fiddler on the Roof. But I was advertised for Zack Snyder's Justice League in 4K, and that's kind of the same when you think about it. I almost bought that at Best Buy the other day, but it rang up as thirty bucks. <laughs> and then the <laughs> woman almost let me walk out of the store with it and i was like this is yours <laughs> i was like don't let me walk out with this uh, and i meant it 20. yeah i gotta track down maybe i'll pick this up on blu-ray as is oh i need a big tv i really just yeah. need a big tv but movies like this deserve a big screen my my the theater my setup here is pretty nice and it was like it felt like I was at the movies uh, for for a couple for three of the shortest hours. Uh, this side of Magnolia for me, it was incredible. So here comes the fun one. How does it rate compared to other musicals you've seen? Obviously, this is not a musical on stage, but it's a musical in the movie. Yeah, but uh, the best movie musicals give you the feeling that you've seen it on stage. So, yes, we're talking about Very Chicago. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Music Man, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. We're talking about uh, Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd is quite good. Um, it gives you the feeling, although I don't think I don't think Sweeney I think Sweeney Todd is A tier, and the other ones, including Fiddler, are S tier. Mm-hmm. There's a fullness to it that you have seen this show, and that's the thing. A lot of even Hairspray, which is more fun than than these, mm-hmm. uh, does capture that energy perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's intangible, and you have to make a lot of cuts sometimes to some of these shows to make it make sense. But, yeah, I, I would put it against the highest of the high. Like, wow, wowza, amazing. You've done it. You've done it. You have taken the experience of seeing Fiddler on the Roof on stage, and you have completely emulated it to where it is It is a production of Fiddler on the Roof in the same way that uh, Topol doing it on Broadway in the 70s later on had, or... Uh, Zara Mostel originally, or Danny Burstein, as Julia said in 2016, mm-hmm. um, it is as valid as any of those. Hell yeah! It is a production of Fiddler on the Roof in the way that the Rene Zellweger Chicago is a production of Chicago, in the same way that the John Travolta Christopher Walken Hairspray is a production of that. Um, it does not feel soulless or empty or lame or dumb or obligatory, uh, the way that maybe a, a movie about uh, the Wicked Witch of the West might. <clears throat> I'm calling it right now. Hot take. Or yeah, uh, even fucking Dear Evan Hansen, right? Which is like, looks like it reeks like an old house. <laughs> what was it, a charnel house? Yeah, the charnel house. That's where that's where Evan Hansen sleeps. His mom banishes him to the charnel house. <laughs> I remember once I was in a class and, uh, and, and someone was quoting a poem and it was like, lock him in the charnel house. Oh. And I was like, I have to know what a charnel house is. And that's where that came from. 
<laughs> was this like regular woman it's like woman in her late 30s reading lock them in a charnel house and i'm like what is that <laughs> don't you love when noises sound so interesting and then their meaning is even more interesting look it up charnel house don't search images look up like dictionary.com <laughs> anyway anyway it's an it's an s tier amazing musical yeah this is like top of the top this is mind-blowing movie mind-blowing i am um, actually my grandmother was very fortunate that in the 60s she got to see fiddler on stage with zero mistel wow i'm kind of jealous i i've heard that he is uh good to say the least <laughs> Um, Great, even you could say. I, I heard that the reason they went with Topol and not Zero Mostel mm-hmm. was that Mostel on stage is a big domineering presence, which you want on stage. Mm-hmm. But Zero Mostel would at that point get in the way. Yeah. Apparently, he used to go off tangent and do like ad libs that would leave other actors just sort of. That's right. Do? That's in the um, for next year's episode. I'll reread the Hal Prince book. Which has a big chapter, and there's also a documentary. I should have watched it today. I didn't have the time, but uh, called "Miracle of Miracles," all about the making of the original musical. Ooh, yeah, it's on Prime as well. Set like an alarm for yourself on your phone a year from now to talk <laughs> about this. It'll be it'll be the it'll be the year two unique angle. Because oh, so we did now. some research. I kind of like the fact that we came into this blind. Well, not blind, but like we didn't do, we did not sit down and like, you know, we, I just, I like the off the cuffness of what we just did. We did it like we do every movie, Jared. Oh, we've done a little more planning. Robocop, I, Robocop, I just came in guns blazing. Same with this one. All day long, we bitty bitty bummed. And then it was time to talk about Fiddler on the Roof. Miracle of miracles. Ah. Jared, at 49 minutes, do you have anything left to say about Fiddler on the Roof this year? Uh, five out of five. It's the, yeah. I, li- I like musicals now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to break the scale, but uh, this is, again, this is the first time we're talking about Fiddler on the Roof, so I feel like it will only break the scale in years to come. It's something that grows on you. It's certainly for me. I've seen it many times in my life, and it it only gets better. I just have so many feelings. I just have so many feelings. Right? So what you're saying is you're going to watch it again tomorrow. I mean, you know, maybe at work. I can't, I can't believe... I can't believe your two big movies of the year 2021 are Dune and Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, you know, um, when I go back and I look at movies I've seen for the first time this year, mm-hmm. if I ranked them irregardless of the irregardless who the fuck am i'm leaving this in too because i'm mad about it if i if i was like year doesn't count what are my favorite movies of the year the fact that fiddler on the roof and you've got mail and dune are on the same list is wild Mm. (laughs) simply wild but that's what we do here we uh we we have some interesting pairings interesting (laughs) ideas in our heads we're full of ideas I've got a good idea. Yeah. Let's close this out. Yeah, let's end the show, right? Yep. Let's bring this to an end. Um, folks, as always, our email address is amncpod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Again, coming up in the next few weeks, we have Studio Ghibli coming up. We have Austin Powers and the Naked Gun. We have The Iron Giant next week, our Thanksgiving special. 
um, which will air the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, but who's counting? Um, Mask of the Phantasm for Christmas. We got a whole bunch of stuff coming up, and if you love any of those movies or have anything to say about anything, um, whether it's this, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's anime or whatever you want to talk about, mntpod at gmail.com. Send us emails, send us voicemails, send us whatever you want, and we will talk to you uh, if you want. Oh, uh, here's a specific request. What is your favorite Feather on the Roof song? Even yes. If even if it's even if it's rich man or tradition, the obvious ones, we want to hear it and why. And a little ditty, if you can, sing it for us. Sing, sing for us. Uh, oh, geez. All right. With that, <laughs> that's a way to end it. <laughs> with that, um, we were Ammonite Movie Night. We still are Ammonite Movie Night, and we'll always be Ammonite Movie Night. Good night, guys.